0: Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Beachside Nerd. This is episode number 11, and we're here on a beautiful day, lovely afternoon, breezes blowing, and the people and them on their jet skis outside, on the waters, making
1: noise if you hear them, <coughs> they're having fun. This Thank is you, l- the This is a horrible day. Yes, I'm back again, your favorite friend, Evo. But this is a horrible day. You know why it's a horrible day? Dark, dank, dreary days are my sunny days, sir. Me see too much sunlight outside. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Were you living in Gotham? (laughs) I would not live in Gotham. I would live in the world of um, the Adams Family, actually. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Hey,
0: shout out to you, our listeners. We've been getting some feedback. Um, We finally got the email set up. Oh. And... Hopefully, we should be getting the socials up soon enough and we'll let you guys know so you would have a more easier time sending in, you know, your questions, your comments, your recommendations and stuff like that. Shout out to Jordan Lou, long-time brethren, consistent listener, you know, always looking forward to the episodes as well as, um, oh, Lord, what the youth man name <laughs> Okay, I remember the use my name right <laughs> right now. But so which group? Um
1: so know, one. movie group, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not Lamel. Um
0: Marcel. Omar. Omar, but Marcel wasn't listening to us <laughs> as well. Yeah. Marcel listens from time to time. But Omar, Omar Byron, he, he listens to us and we're a part of his routine as well. So yeah, shout out to you guys and thank you so much for the support. Today. We had some things um, lined up to talk about, but yeah, throw that out the window. So today we're going to talk about Magic the Gathering. You guys cool with that? Okay. All right. Yeah? (laughs) All right. So I, I was going to the supermarket and on my way back after picking up some barbecue sauce, it just hit me that we haven't spoken about Magic the Gathering, which is a game that we've been playing for a long time. And it ties in very neatly to a lot of our hobbies, because there's video games, comic books, um, novels, it has huge lore, and what and
1: what. For those who do not know, Magic the Gathering is a trading card game, you know, like similar to Yu-Gi-Oh in the ta- uh, fact that you have some cards in your hand, and they do certain effects with certain cool. skills and many rules big enough to be compared to the Bible. <clears throat> Out of his mercies. <laughs> Am I lying? Uh, have you ever seen the rulebook no. of Magic: The Gathering? Not really. I actually have not. I uh, uh, mostly uh, like, uh, googled anything that's yeah exactly. You, you know. Google specific things, but if you have to go and look at the book for Magic: The Gathering, because it does break down the whole the, the issues that we would have during playing the game when it comes to effects or uh, timing and all those kind of things or certain aspects, it does break down all those too.
0: I just like how convenient the rulebook is. It's in digital form, so I've only ever seen bits and bits and sections. But anyway, that's the that's the boring bits. <laughs> so, um, for our listeners, we basically have a group, right, um, that's been started years and years ago called WeDuel, uh, with the express purpose of cultivating, you know, trading card, uh, tabletop games, basically, which include trading card games, and um, games like Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, and, and so on. We play those whenever we get the chance, the opportunity to do so. Now, we all started by playing Yu-Gi-Oh. You remember Yu-Gi-Oh, Kyle?
2: Oh, if you I remember, remember Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh, I
0: still play I Yu-Gi-Oh. Do. You all have your favorite cards, right? In Off the always. top, what's your favorite card in Yu-Gi-Oh? In Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah. Probably Judgment Dragon. Judgment Dragon. or are you, Kyle? Element Hero Stratos. Dark Magician of Chaos.
2: <laughs> All here, <hail.
0: laughs> An ancient card. <laughs> so yeah, we, um, yeah these ancient cards. We started by playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Which was fun. You know, we used to go down by the, the shop. Um, the spot that some of you may know are called Duelist Kingdom. We used to duel down there. And eventually, over time, as magic, as Yu-Gi-Oh! Became a closer more animated representation of the game of solitaire <laughs> our <laughs>
1: our interest started to branch out into into other things you saying it wrong what's that it reached to the point where the coin flip is what decided the game you start the game you and you the two persons decide by a coin flip who wins whoever chose uh, to go first is winning the game End of mm. story because that first opening hand is just going to just seal the deal the majority of the um, times I nah, just like
0: No, nah, I complain about that.
1: Mm. But I mean, like over time, um, I had the, the dream to,
0: you know, explore other games. And so I looked into Magic the Gathering. And what drew me to the game was just how diverse it was in terms of your ability to construct decks, the amount of freedom that you had. And it had an extremely rich lore. You know, and that's one of the things that tends to attract me to, um, to different things is how much of a lore there is in Magic the Gathering. So, very quickly, <clears throat> the world of Magic the Gathering is basically kind of like the Marvel universe, but in a fantasy setting. You have various dimensions. They're called planes of existence. They're like worlds where people live various cultures and so on and what connects these worlds is something called the blind eternities which is like the space between space and there are unique individuals who kind of like with highlander when they undergo a particular intense stressful situation where there's a near-death experience or actual death or whatever it is uh their spark ignites. Their spark is that special thing inside of them that comes from the blind eternities and give them the ability to traverse the planes, to jump from one dimension to the other. These planeswalkers, are there, as they are called, are super crazy, powerful spellcasters. And they come in from a variety of backgrounds, so it doesn't take any one particular thing to make you a planeswalker. You could be, um, you could be an artificer, someone who is like an engineer, you know, a magical engineer, right? Uh, you could be an actual magician. You could be a swordsman, whatever it is. Spark ignites, and suddenly you're transported back and forth between planes. The game evolves from that where you yourself is a planeswalker who've traveled the planes, met various creatures, learned various spells, and you battle other planeswalkers. And that's fundamentally what it is about. Of course, there are, like within the lore, there are key planeswalkers whose stories we tend to follow across, you know, the multiverse. And we have like the big bad Nicol Bolas, there's um, Liliana Vess, uh, Jason, Jason Bellerin, uh, help me out, guys. I'm currently currently in the lore, There's no more planeswalkers. walkers. Everybody's spark is gone. Everybody's spark is gone.
3: <laughs> yep. Yeah. You sure? Well, Everybody's it? like regular now. In the <laughs> last in the last part with the Phyrexian yeah, battle the or whatnot at the end of the Phyrexian Phyrexians are um, creatures from a plane called Meriden mm-hmm. that were created kind of. By accident, by one of the big bads, Mm -hmm. um, who was a who, a scientist, a human scientist that basically tried to evolve himself, and he evolved himself into just like evil, basically a darkness that just consumed the land. Anything that it touches rots and decays and whatnot. But he built like a mechanical machine plane, and the Phyrexians are constantly seeking, like, a perfection between... Was that Mirrodin?
0: Yeah, Mirrodin. <clears throat> Mirrodin was the plane he made? Mm, I or, don't think so. Or was that Khan who made Mirrodin? Khan
3: originally made the plane for, him to, for himself, but it was mm. corrupted. Mm. But anyway, at the end of the Phyrexian storyline, almost everybody's spark was taken. So nobody has sparks anymore. Everybody's just regular <laughs> characters. So there's no more planeswalkers per se. Ah. Uh. But other planeswalkers would be like Sahili, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's ton. They, at one point, they were pushing a whole planeswalker thing, so yeah, there was a ton of like random people, like Teo. And there's, um, I mean, my favorite is a machine planeswalker as well, but Tezzeret, Tezzeret, yeah. <laughs> um, there's just a ton of
0: them. Yeah. So. Jace, Well You said
3: Jace, yeah, right? Yeah. There's Jace, um, Garouk, Vraska, yeah, Vraska. Garuk,
0: garuk Yeah. So, in the world of Magic: The Gathering and the the game itself, the um, what what underpins it is the mana, the resource, the resource system,
3: the mana um, like mana balances magic. As compared yes. to Yu-Gi-Oh! Because Yu-Gi-Oh! has no, no resource, system. resource system. You can just do whatever. as you. That's why it's basically turned into Solitaire because initially it's just about summoning a stronger monster than your opponent. Right. If your monster had a thousand attack points then you wanted to summon a monster with two thousand attack points and then you just won like that. But it eventually evolved into, you know, creatures that Cannot be targeted by anything and cannot die by anything.
1: It turns you know,
3: Or they negate everything that happens. Yeah, it turns a
1: scenario where you just create your board and it's unmovable. So when is there, when it, if they do the first turn, the person cannot do anything on the first turn really. But when it comes back, uh, by the time it reaches to you, you are unable to play the game technically. Yep. You won't be able to summon. Any kind of spell or trap or master effect you activate gets negated and destroy those things. And then by the time your turn ends, it goes back to them. The just hit you and just that's it. But the, the
3: other kind of I was just thinking of a caveat with magic, a caveat would be that um magic is, because ba- magic is balanced by the mana base and whatnot, there's much more, you know, it can swing wildly with games because. Sometimes you just don't draw any lands, so you can't play any spells, (laughs) and (laughs) then you just lose. Or somebody has, somebody like ramps, which is, they play more lands than your normal amount of lands, and then they have like 10 mana more than you, and like turn six or whatever, Mm -hmm. so it swings the game. But, and then there's also, we need to kind of say that we don't actually play most of what happens in Magic. Mm -hmm. Because Magic has multiple formats. We really only play EDH, which is Commander, Elder Dragon Highlander, which then was turned into Commander, which is a multiplayer game. Instead of just having one-on-one, it would be like four players against each other.
0: They have they have one on you can do one on one you you can do one on one in commander it's mostly
3: played as a multiplayer but it's mostly commander is the format we play it's mostly played as a multiplayer four players or sometimes more but there's standard which is the based on the sets that are getting um, released and lots of people play that Mm -hmm. there's um, modern which is pretty much all the most powerful cards. And a lot of people play that. Lots of people play. It um, tends to be pretty competitive. Like the modern. Historic. Yeah, modern would be very competitive. They have historic, which is like sets up to a certain point. Because at the end of the day, these games are like for profit. So the company keeps
1: putting out new things for you to spend your money on. One thing mm-hmm. you did say is that with each one of these things, What's the difference between the different? Each one is that some things are banned and some things are yeah. not yeah. banned. You have cards that you say in this uh, format you can't play that. Yeah. In that format you can play it. So it so modern is format. kind of like you can. It's open to pretty much a lot a of lot cards. More, yeah. I have
3: stuff from way back in the day. Historic. When they didn't know what they were doing and they just made <laughs> cards that were ridiculously broken. Like um, time walk, pay one single mana to take an extra turn. Mm-hmm. Which extra, having an extra turn is an extremely powerful ability. So the those cards are like banned in in modern, for instance, and they'd also be banned in commander, and they'd also be banned in historic. But then there's there's a format where you could play those cards too, and people do. And that's proper, right? No, it's it's called something else. Historic is is was a newish kind of thing, but it's mm-hmm. something legacy. Legacy yes, format yes. is where you can play anything, and people play... The most powerful things, like Lem- Time Warp, for instance, and Tinker, where you can just pay
1: one mana to get any artifact of no, you that can play. No, know, I'm I'm <laughs> laughing at now. The, the thing about Magic, Magic has some cards that just are just there for fun and fashion as well. Well, it was more
3: that they just when they were first in development of the game, they didn't realize, you know, it, no, I know, it's not really great to have a, a spell that draws three cards. No, no, not runner. like
1: that. I'm talking about, for instance, those cards that. Uh, like, hey, if it's twelve o'clock uh, when you play this card, in oh, really real unboxing, <laughs> <like laughs> all right, let's let's let's, let's <laughs> that's, reel that's a, it
3: back a bit. That stuff is a, little, a lot confusing for people that don't oh, play okay. magic. Let's, right.
0: let's reel it back a bit because I right. think we just kind of plunged deeply into yeah. into magic and so on. But um, Magic: The Gathering is a game where the resource is mana. Um, you think of mana as your your MP bar right? (laughs) Every turn you get to play a land and land is the resource because you tap it for mana. The game is run off of what is called a color pie. So there's five colors, white, blue, black, red, and green. And each of those colors have certain attributes and styles of play that is more or less unique to them, although they tend to bleed over and share certain attributes or they synergize with other colors depending, you know, on how it is that the effects come about. So generally, you would have white, which is a color that is um, primarily defensive, protective. Um, white has a lot of broad destruction cards and small creatures that tend to work in unison and, and build in strength. Yeah. Right? Then you have blue, which is more a controlling type of Color, um, it's a color that allows you to Rock gain more. Yeah, and counter spells increase your hand advantage and help control the tempo of the game as it goes along. Uh, black is a <laughs> What's, what? What would be a good word for black? It's insidious. <laughs> black destroys things. Yeah, corrupts. It, it
3: also. Um, it also draws cards, but at the cost of life. At the cost really of life, yeah. It's very sacrificial. And it
0: sacrifices the things. And reanimates. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it removes, you can get some so a lot of direct kill cards yeah. are in black. Like, for example, a very aptly named one murder. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Two black mana and the one colorless one. mana. Destroy and target. Destroy target creature or, at instant or speed. Plans, right. Um green. Green is the world. <laughs> it, it focuses on gaining more mana by ramping. Yep. Um, bringing out huge creatures, massive creatures. The and, it <laughs> and it draws cats. And it draws cats. Well, green typically has reached a cats. point where it does everything. And it protects as well with yeah. the, the key card, the keyword um, hexproof, where your creatures cannot be targeted by other people's effects. You have that sort of stuff. And... Um, Strengthening. Yeah. Uh, they tend to boost up the powers of creatures as well. Yeah. Then you have red. Well, red comes before. Comes right after black, actually. Red is focused on speed and power. So yeah. you find effect like haste, where your creatures can attack immediately on the turn that they are summoned. And that's the thing about the game. Creatures have something called summoning sickness, where you kind of have to wait a turn... Until it comes back to you before the creatures are allowed to attack or tap to activate their abilities. But with red, red wants to get everything done right now. before speed and power, red actually goes does a lot of direct
3: damage. Burn damage. Red does burn damage as well. So effective base damage. Most like most of the times red has been on top. it's been about like iconic cards like lightning bolts which just does three damage to something for one red mana for one red mana whether it's like your the opponent directly or a creature the opponent
0: controls a lot of red cards do that kind of thing at instant speed too so you can do it during your opponent's turn while they're doing stuff so you have red that does that power up haste um burn damage And they tend to have a lot of little gremlins as well. The creatures within red tend to range um, from little tiny 1-1 creatures all the way up to big dragons, dragons, 7-7 flyers, and that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I think that covers all the colors. Colorless. Right. (laughs) And yes. yes, Colorless. (laughs) You have to mention those. Colorless is not part of the the color pie because it's colorless. But yes, you do have colorless cards that... Can just be played for generic mana, and Any they color mana. Be artifacts. They're usually artifacts. Remy's the Remy is the artifact. Remy, Remy's favorite thing, is <laughs> right. And um, and then you would have what they call um like friend colors, ally colors, and mm-hmm. enemy colors. The ally colors are the colors that are directly next to the color that you're using. So if you're using blue uh ally colors would be white and black and you would find when you start mixing these colors then you start getting much more effective abilities and so on you know and then you would have like enemy colors which would be those colors that are directly opposite the colors that you're playing so an enemy color for green would be blue you know um for black it would be white that sort of thing From this being the basis of the game, uh, it just opens up a world of opportunities where you can start mixing and matching colors based on your play style and doing all sorts of things with it. I mean, it's basically limitless, the sort of combinations and things that you can do. You want zombies, zombies. You want giant dinosaurs, flying creatures, vampires, werewolves, that that falls into different (laughs) tribes. (laughs) That falls within tribes and colors as well, because you may have um, you may have red zombies, black zombies, blue zombies, you know. Blue elves. You may not necessarily have white zombies, although there might be one or two. There's
3: actually white zombies. Yeah,
0: white zombies, yeah. There you go. And that's basically it. Like the white vampire. For me, was, aside from the lore, which, like I said, was pretty rich, and I read some of the comic books that existed, falling in love with the old walkers in them, that were the ones who existed before the mending, which was almost like an apocalyptic event that basically broke the powers of the planeswalkers in half, let's just say roughly in half, decreased their powers, increased the number of planeswalkers that were there, and interrupted travel amongst the plains, right? These guys were incredibly powerful. So guys like Nicol Bolas, you had the Elder Dragons and so on. Um, you had like Freylys and so on and mm-hmm. so on. But with that, eventually came the mending, and all of that came about because of the two brothers, Urza and Mishra. Mishra, yeah. right? Because they encountered the Power Stones. We ain't gonna go too deeply into all of that. These are things that you guys can actually look up online and read if you're interested. I would say do it because it's it's really it's really fun stuff. It's deep. There's lots of you don't even have, have to play magic. There's
3: lots of books. Yeah. Um, usually standalone little um, maybe three novel, book novels, three yeah. book novel series of one particular plane or. Or, like, legendary characters. Like, I remember before I ever started playing Magic, I read the Lore Wind Cycle. Which That's the was, one with the elves? Yeah, which was about mostly the elves and um, Ashling, yeah. the, um, the elemental. Yeah. So, uh, you can pick up books if you want and just read and see if you like it. I mean, you'd have to invest in playing a
0: card game. And the characters that you encounter in the lore, majority of the time, um, they are also represented in the cards. Either they have their own particular card or they appear in somebody else's card and you have like the lore that's also written in the card as part of like flavor text at the bottom of the cards. So what made this game stand out aside from the lore? I think it had to do for me personally. What attracted me to it was the freedom of deck construction. I like to build decks. I have a very wide imagination. And the fact that this game allowed me to bring some of the things that I imagined in my mind as far as fantasy is concerned into a deck and I was able to use it to play is what attracted me as well. And the artwork in there is absolutely phenomenal. Yep. By many different artists. So.
2: You have like
3: many different potential styles that they delve into so you get anything you can basically choose
0: your poison
2: there.
0: Yeah. My um my favorite colors is the Grixis colors. So blue, black and red. In those particular that particular combination. And if I have to go into two colors then it's usually blue, red. Or blue, black. But blue is always my base because I'm a degenerate like that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Remy? What are your colors?
3: Um, I'm usually my base. My first deck was Esper. And I usually will go Esper. Esper is what? Esper is black, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. So, But then my kind of side favorite color that I've played a lot is Galgari. Two color green and black
2: mm-hmm.
3: and basically like even right now i have three decks and all of them are artifact decks but one of them is one of them is esper one of them is Gulgari and one the other one is gruel um, red green yeah maria that seems unlike you
2: <laughs>
3: but she's an <laughs> artifact deck too so it's all three <laughs> of them are artifact decks but in different colors Um usually Galgari and Gruul are not artifact mm. specific things, but um, I found that one of my favorite characters in the lore was, is Glissa, mm. which is an elf from Mirrodin who was corrupted by the Correxians, the oil and became Glissa the traitor. Mm. And she's an artifact type. Well, she's a zombie elf but she's an artifact commander because she does her ability revolves around artifacts like basically reanim. well getting artifacts back from your mm. graveyard to your hand reanimation it's not really reanimation because she doesn't bring them back directly to the field she uh-huh. just <laughs> i guess it's more like reusing recursion
2: she's
1: recursion of some form yeah yeah what, what about what about you, Kyle? What are your, your colors, go? Uh My current colors, okay, when I first started the game, it was, of course, forest green. But right now, my current color system that I like is Golgari, which is, say i green, but he deals with artifacts and so, but I deal with um, things like tree folk, elves, things that deal with forest and swamp, those kind of things that live in that kind of environment. And it's a fun thing because, again, I've always loved elves, my whole thing is to have a deck that you just want to say they
0: came out the trees.
1: Elves are degenerates. low. They have a, <laughs> the thing about elves; they do a lot of mana ramp. They give you a, a lot of them, give you mana, so you're quickly able to build up and do things faster than others. And they're quite hated for that too. And they, they quickly touch the field because they are very low mana rating a lot of the times. So they help to just bring up the more they powerful flood spells. The field.
3: I I like elves but they, to me they were always too straightforward in what they do and they like they basically either they basically either win or you die because yeah, once they come in mass and then you wipe you them see.
1: out and then it's very hard to this come what back. That's why I mix and match them guys. I could just have all straight green elves but I would like to mix and match them with tree folk and other creatures of the sort that work forest wise. If you imagine a nice mythical forest, anything that can go in that mythical forest will go into uh, deck. green, green, black elves. See, this would this would take us down a path of of
3: um, like actual gameplay, mm-hmm. and it would. I guess it's too it's too nerdy to go into like actual gameplay. But mean? for me, <laughs> it's, this is the beachside nerd, sir. Yeah, it, but the thing is, like for me, like you know, the if you build a deck like the way Kyle builds decks, for instance, oh. it's. If you go up in a competitive environment, the deck doesn't work. Mm. It's too easy to get over. Just like mines. Yeah. Whereas like if you play, say, my deck in a competitive environment, it would do okay because it's built that way. Even though it's on theme, it's built that way.
0: That it can carry a game single-handedly. Let me shoot a question to you right here. An interrupting question, but on point at the same time. Mm -hmm. What makes a deck competitive in Magic the Gathering? The way that
3: it's the way that it synergizes with everything it's doing. Mm -hmm. So, you need to fill a certain number. You have to fill certain numbers. Like, check out cooking for instance. If you cook, if you go and just throw any old ingredient in a pot, it's not gonna taste good. Mm. It's just simple facts. And the way people learn cooking is recipes are passed down from your parents or your grandparents or ancestors or whatever, passed down recipes. And they've tested these recipes and iterated them from time and memorum. Mm-hmm. So they know what works. They know they've tried different herbs, they've tried different plants, they've tried it with vegetables, fruits, whatever, and they know this works. You ch- people like to experiment and change yeah. up things. But most times, like, 9 out of 10 times you experiment with something, it doesn't come out the way that you wanted. It's the same thing with building a deck. But it's constant tweaking. Yeah. You can, you can do things that are unique and cool. And most people, like, feel like what they're doing is like, oh my god, I just came up with this cool thing. It's, it's so unique or whatever. And it's amazing. But... The game's been out long enough that almost everything that you can think of has As been done. Idea. <clears throat> and it's like the simple recipe is you need to have mana sources, first of all. Mm. And it's EDH, what we play, is a hundred card format. So you need to have at least you need to to start with when you start the game, you need to have X amount of mana sources to get to your commander if your commander is a big part of your game plan. Mm-hmm. So if your commander is 7 mana, you need to be able to get to 7 mana before turn 3, for instance, because most games don't really last more than like 10, 15 turns. On the competitive scene. In the competitive scene. In
2: mm-hmm.
3: the competitive scene, most games don't last more than like 6 turns. <laughs> In casual, they can last all twenty turns and stuff like that. Yeah. But you need to be getting your commander out on like turn five or something at least. If your commander is like a seven mana commander, you need to be getting it out on turn five, two turns early. Mm. And the way most people build their decks, especially here, is that it's not that efficient at all. Right. Most people can't even get their commander out <laughs> before their their five mana commander out before like turn ten. Mm. Because the way it's inefficient. And the the recipe is is very simple in my mind. It's like, you need 50 mana sources. About 37 of those are Mm lands. And then 13 are um, ramp cards. Anything else, ramp cards. Whether it's the mana rocks, the artifact. Where your creativity comes in is you can shift the generic ramp cards Mm -hmm. and put in stuff that matches the theme of the deck. So see, the way, the way you play your red and blue deck for your yeah, is a deck. Mm-hmm. Is that it has a lot of rituals. Mm-hmm. Rituals are cards that give you a burst of mana. Instead of giving you permanent mana yeah. for multiple turns, it gives you that mana right now for you to do what you need to do with it at that point. One person might build their deck with the way that like you built it, where you're given bursts of mana. Mm -hmm. one person might put in mana rocks instead, like give them that mana. Or cost reduction. Yeah, or cost reduction. Or any form of combination of that gives them that that amount of mana every turn going forward rather than going all out. And again, it depends on your personality. Like my personality is every time I look at the build a deck, I'm just like, how can I make this an artifact (laughs) (laughs) deck? Like I buy all these commanders, like cheap commanders outside of it and Mm i just like, I don't want to build this. You, it, I have so many commanders in this book. And I just like, I don't want to build this. It's not artifacts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's just all like um, somebody playing Skyrim and always end up being the stealthy archer. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing about people. People play,
3: once people find their thing that they do, they don't really change. They don't really change. But it's very hard to change what kind of player you are. Like our friend Dylan did. Dylan always plays Ramp. No matter what deck it is, it's Ramp. <laughs> <laughs> and Kyle always plays super defensive. Yeah, super super defensive. Kyle always plays super defensive. Whatever he's doing, hit me and Which find Which is out. funny <laughs> to me because the elves are definitely not a defensive. deck elves are aggressive. That you're supposed to win the game very fast, as you're gonna lose.
1: <laughs> so well, how- I, I like having fun and trying different things. And again, he uh, when we spoke about creating, finding out, and experimenting, and a lot of it is experimenting because every time I usually play the game and. Whatever the outcome is, I still go and look up other elves or other cards online. They're
2: like, hmm. hmm, maybe this
1: next time I need to send away for this and that and so forth. It's just a game of experimentation until I create my sinister. <laughs> 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 I, I think my thing is I delve into I
3: delve into a lot of tactics too much. And for instance, when we're playing a four v four game, say me, mm. you, Dylan, and Kevon, what happens is. Dylan is up my ass because he's like just constantly tagging me. Kevon is constantly tagging me. They're leaving you alone with your key pieces. If I played that same deck that you played mm. against against them,
1: they'd take out all my key pieces. I wouldn't have a board. You see, mm. I don't look like a threat. That's the same. My soft underbelly is short. I'm no threat. I am,
0: I am, I am no the threat. opposite of Remy. I like big creatures. So. In Magic the Gathering, and I guess in in a lot of other games, but with Magic the Gathering, we have this thing called the mana curve, right? Mm -hmm. And the mana curve is is basically a simple graph that shows how much of a certain amount of cards within a mana range that you have in your deck. And ideally, if you want your deck to be competitive, you want your mana curve to be higher near the beginning Rather than later on. So, spells that cost one mana, two mana, three mana, you want to have more of those as opposed to spells that cost six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Right. right. Ideally. Uh, mine tend to, my mana curve tend to be somewhere near the middle. So, range four, five mana, six mana. That's usually where I'm at, which is not efficient at all. But, It makes for very flashy, you know, type of plays, but it tends to be very, um, very slow. What do you call them again? Dreadnoughts. Um, (laughs) There's a name, there's a name for those. But it's like a big old tanker, right? And um, I like spectacular things, man. I like big numbers. I like to see big numbers go brrr. (laughs) I like that type of stuff. I like huge monsters, Right, and whenever I build stuff, I like to build on a theme. I tend to use uh, a lot of mage-based characters. Yep. Um, by it, funny enough, that's my go-to in everything. I like mage characters, but in building the sort of effects that I tend to look for in Magic: The Gathering, coincidentally, more often than not, there's a magic. Character, a mage type character that has it. So either it's a druid, um, a sorcerer, a warlock, you know, wizard. Those types of characters would have them. So for example, my is it burn deck, right? Majority of the characters are druids and wizards and, and that type of stuff. So it turns out pretty well in that respect. And I I don't do a lot of physical combat, so I don't have creatures running in chopping down people but i do <laughs> do a lot of spell casting um a lot of direct damage to spells yep, do big five burn. damage yeah big burn spells and i like to copy it and so on but you, you said something that uh i found interesting and looking back on myself i noticed it to be true you said when somebody finds something that works for them they tend to pretty much stick to it and i look at all my decks that i construct. And even in the ones where I'm trying to do attacking, there's a lot of spell casting involved in those non-creature based spells being cast, even within that particular framework. You know, so you you're right. <laughs> you know, um, what else is there? Yeah. So um, that's pretty much it within the the colors that that fits. You know, um, your style of play. Do you find yourself sticking a lot to that particular part of the color pie, or do you often roam around and try a lot of different colors, color combinations?
3: I've tried a lot of
0: different color combinations.
3: I have tried, I actually tried Boros, which is a very attacking white red. Mindless
1: attackers. (laughs) (laughs) Again, it was artifacts. I'm, soon, I'm going to soon put my hands on um the well, what what's it called? Just is um red, uh, white and blue. What's that called again? Jess Guy. jess Guy. Uh, jess Guy, not American. The please. Kung Fu guys. Yes, yeah. Jess Guy. I am putting my hands on that to play my new set of um cards. So I'll Transformers. see how <laughs> robots in disguise, yes. Yes, <laughs> the game actually has Optimus Prime in it. So I am going to now put my hands on him. He's right next to me, actually, and um, touched that, uh, uh, pl- those planes, to be exact. Just,
3: just for audience explanation, again, the profit money-grubbing people at um, Wizards of the Coast, they did something called Universes House. Beyond, <laughs> which is nice. Um, Universes Beyond is they go into other IPs. For instance, there's Warhammer. You'd have to research that yourself because Warhammer is very deep. Either. I can't go into explaining Warhammer right now. We might do an episode on Warhammer. And then mm-hmm. there's, um, they're, they're doing Doctor Who. People, I, know, I know a lot of people are fans of Doctor Who. They I've did My really Little Ponies. <laughs> like a secret layer. They did a Jurassic Park. Yeah. They did um Lord of the Rings. Godzilla. Yeah, they did Godzilla. with the, What else have they done? They've done quite a few um different universes beyond... Or they did Walking
0: Dead. Mm Mm-hmm. They did Street Fighter. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Speaking of Lord of the Rings, by the way, that's a nice segue into Magic the Gathering Online. Um, Well, there's Magic the Gathering Online, but we typically play Magic Arena, which is the mobile game, mobile and PC game, where if you're not getting into the actual physical paper magic, you can give it a try. It's free to play. Um, there's always, you know, the usual microtransaction stuff going on in there where you can buy packs, but you can play for free on there and actually get to learn the game, you know, and and play with persons online. And, um, there's less cards in the arena part than in real life, of course, because they have to upload these gradually, but they've been around for like, what, how many years now? Like five, six years they've been around. So there's a decent amount of booster packs that's available and just recently we were like in the era of um lord of the rings and i will tell you remy i'll admit to you that i did not enjoy it i got <laughs> my butt whooped so much well, by this
3: phrase the problem is they brought out two cards <laughs> that are just very ridiculous which was one of them was the one ring and then the other one is Orkish Bowmasters. But there's the mechanic of
0: the, the ring tempting you,
1: yeah. right? And there's the mechanic of um, Transformers more than me the eye. You,
0: you're not going to let that go, boy.
1: No. You, you love your Transformers. <laughs> robots what's in
3: the sky? But yes, the, um, the ring... T- I found that I like the Lord of the Rings cards. They're kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of the art and, them and stuff. But
0: yeah. I found they were very powerful. Yeah. Extremely powerful. Yeah, they're very powerful. And combine that with the ring tempt tempt you sort of thing. That was crazy. Because the ring tempts you a total of four times. So what it is, right, is there are cards, whenever you play them, they have this side extra trigger that says the ring tempts you. And whenever the ring tempts you, the first time you have to put the ring on one of your monsters. So it will prompt you to do so. And then it will give that monster an additional ability based on how many times the ring has mm-hmm. tempted you so far. I think the first one allows you to draw a card or something like that. The other one makes, one makes the creature unblockable. Unblockable. The a creature baiting it, I think. Yeah. And if, if they were blocked by or are blocking a creature, automatically destroy the creature that is interfering with them. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is like an automatic win. If they do damage to the opponent, then you automatically win.
3: No, no, no. no? The ring, the last ring thing is not that. Powerful. Oh, the last ring thing is whenever the ring, your ring bearer deals combat damage to a player, each opponent loses three life.
0: So, uh, I guess maybe that's an effect of one of the creatures.
2: Then,
0: I think because I saw that on one of them. Maybe it was Frodo or or somebody. And then there's um. They have additional, the creatures would have effects based on how many times the ring tempts them. Yeah, there's, like there's creatures with abilities based on how the ring tempts yeah. them. But, but, but it's crazy. Yeah. Every time, and I like to you, Remy, every time I saw <laughs> a Sauron deck, either a Sauron or um, a Golem, the, particularly the Black-Green, the Golgari mm-hmm. version Gary of Golem, Golem yeah. I would instantly quit. I would not fight. <laughs> I would instantly quit. <laughs> I I would not. Sorry, I, for that. I cannot. I actually cannot stand players
3: that do that. Yeah. I will play against anything and lose and complain. But, <laughs> but people that people that just quit. Mm-hmm. Like you ever watch like Mortal Kombat professionals and stuff play, and they playing against or street Fighter, and they are playing against people that all of a sudden you just see them the freeze and it's just the, the disconnect. Yeah. Quitality in oh, Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they actually did the quitality really well in Mortal Kombat. Where, where somebody quits, like mm. your character, the character just instantly dies gruesomely. I saw that. It's <laughs> cool than Street Fighter's one where Street Fighter, the game
0: freezes and then it just says disconnect. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> quitality. Um, <laughs> um. So yeah. So there's Magic Arena. Um. It's great fun, you know, but there are very salty moments as well. Yeah. Because people don't like to lose. Nah. <laughs> and you, you don't like to get, yeah, you don't like to get your And you, don't, you
3: also don't like to sit there and watch somebody play Solitaire with like yes. an infinite combo. Or Because um, one thing I noticed about online versions of Magic mm-hmm. is it's not very infinite combo friendly. Because you can't just say, yeah, hey, I'm just going to go through this loop 100,000. They, they need to put like something, some kind of programming thing in there where you can be like, okay, this is an infinite combo. Yeah. I'm going to do it X amount of times you lose or whatever. Because mm-hmm. somebody can sit down there and rope you basically by just saying, I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to make you have to go through this combo
0: infinite times. And roping is where you let the timer run. Yeah. And you, you can't do anything because they have priorities. It's their turn to play, but they're not playing. They're just dawdling and making you waste time. Yeah, but they need, they need to make some kind of way
3: of dealing you know, with infinite combos better where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, this outcome is going to be a loss. So, mm-hmm. like, you can force a uh, surrender or something. Or, I don't know. Some some way in which to, or you can maybe just rush through it really quickly. Mm-hmm. Just say, I'm going to, just type in, I'm going to do this 10,000 <laughs> times, and that's it. Uh-huh. And then end it there. Because yeah. I'd be watching this and people try
0: to go through infinite combos. I was just like, it's the most boring much. thing. <laughs> it's very boring. Segue in a, a little bit now, but they're still on, on theme with, with magic, right? So, Kyle, I'm going to pose this question to you. Do you have a character in Magic the Gathering or two that you really like?
1: It'll always be Nisa. Well, uh, two of them, um, actually. Well, And why do you like them? She's an elf. <laughs> she deals with the trees and the plants. Nisa. Yes. <laughs> do you want it more simple than that? Do you have a
0: favorite version of Nisa?
1: A particular card? Um The original there's like Nisa Ravine has a great effect but um, the world, world, world Waker is her name. Nisa um, the World is the World Waker, right? World Shaker world,
3: world, What does she do? The one that taps that makes Forest tap for extra mana
1: I think so. Uh, I think it's the World shake, Shaker or World Waker Um let me see. Let's just pull Lisa, up. who shakes the world? Yeah, Lisa, who shakes the world. Yes. Yes, I, I, I like that one. She's a sweetheart. I, I wanted to get her for myself, but um, sadly, she was auto stock at the time. I uh, have well, yes. Oh, you have <laughs> one, I there, guess, you know. Yes. I never so, played it, though. <clears throat> so,
0: Nisa, Nisa is a planeswalker, right? She's been around for a while, but I don't think she's yeah. an old walker. She's one of the newer ones, like Jason, so on. And what you would find is in Magic the Gathering, there would be multiple iterations of these planeswalkers as cards. And they come out usually based on where the story is going and, and whatnot. Yeah. And it tends to reflect whatever is going on with them at the time in the story. right? Um, so Nisa, who shakes the world, is a five-mana planeswalker. And she's one of those planeswalkers that has a static effect. So as long as they're on the field, it's, it's active. And her passive effect says, whenever you tap a forest for mana, you add an additional green. So she's basically ramping you yep. passively. Yes. Right? Um, planeswalkers would come with what is called loyalty um, tokens, loyalty counters. counters on them, which is basically um, like They're a like- life bar slash mana bar or whatever. Yeah. Right? And it, it, they have abilities called plus abilities and minus abilities. And these would, of course, change the number of counters on them, right? She has plus one, put three one one counters on top of one target non creature land you control, untap it, and it becomes a zero zero elemental creature with vigilance and haste that is still a land. So she basically turns your lands into creatures to fight for you. Yeah, she when uses the a
1: manor, earth. Your mana basis, which is your lands. Yeah, you get it turned into another creature. She's, she's a
3: forest mage. She uses she's an elemental mage, really, that uses yeah. nature. So she controls nature to fight for her.
0: She makes the land walk, and she comes from a plane called Zendikar, yep. where the land is literally alive, alive. Yep, you know, and that's the thing about the the planes in Magic: The Gathering. They each would have. Special things about them that make them stand out from other planes. Yep. What they do share in common is the mana base, which in Magic the Gathering, those, the five different color mana comes from the land itself. So, white mana comes from the plains, green from the forest, blue would come from the sea, water. Um, black would come from like swamp areas. Yeah. And red would come from the mountains. I don't know how that works, but I guess it has something to do with <laughs> volcanoes. Volcanoes. <laughs> right. And so you would find that the different planeswalkers would have increased power and strength and affinity to particular um, planes, um, areas of land, geographically, that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, what about you, Remy? Who's your favorite character or characters? So besides Glisser, my
3: my next favorite would be Tezzeret the Seeker. Mm-hmm. So Tezzeret is Tezzeret is a you know those bad guys that always I'll get him next. I'll get you next time. He's basically like I'll Cobra, get you
1: next time, Gadget.
3: Uh, Skeletor, Cobra Commander, those ones that always lose. Dive you <laughs> and run but he never died they always run away. Yeah. Tezzeret is like that. But he's he's very ambitious, always trying to get more power. Mm. Um, he ended up getting half destroyed by Glenn's favorite planeswalker, there, yeah? Nickel Nicol Bolas. Oh, oh,
1: Nicol oh. Bolas. Well, oh yeah, he doesn't care for Jace like he used to
0: anymore. I do. Yeah, man.
1: Mm-hmm. I do, you but... You yet?
0: <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, pushed yeah,
1: push this side just like,
3: Bolas of Ultimate Horror. <sighs> yeah, basically, basically Tesseret flew too close to the sun. Yes. And tried to take on a god and thought he was really smart. And the god was like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to just shatter your mind. (laughs) And
0: and make you my slave. I don't think he got it as bad as Sarkan. Sarkan literally went crazy for a very long time. Most of his Planeswalker cards reflect the madness that was going on in his mind. Yeah,
3: (laughs) But Tezzeret... basically grew up on a junkyard world where the junkyard plane, where they just build things out of with artifice, which is magic combined with machine. Ah, They replace parts of their body with, with, with machine parts. And he like got his spark that way and started going around trying to gain more power by, Infiltrating other planes, not what? really coming to other planes on a nice basis. What's the name of
0: the planes that they're they're from? Because he and Sahili is from the same plane, right? I think. Or is it Chandra? I think I think he's from the same plane as as Sahili. Sahili, because they, they deal with a lot of artifacts. They're like magical cyborgs. They just remove chunks of themselves and replace them with. Magical metal. (laughs) Tezzeret
3: is from a shard of um, Alara. Oh, he's from Alara? Yeah. Ah. So he's he's an Esper aligned usually.
0: Alara is... um, It's basically like... If it was Marvel, Alara would be like Earth-616. Or if it's DC, it would be um, Earth-Prime. It's basically where a lot of the um, magic stories started, ain't it? Is between Alara and Dominaria. I believe so. I'm just riffing at the top of my head. I, I, um, if I remember correctly, Alara is
3: like a shattered plane. It, it? It, it was multiple, one plane. Yeah, it's
0: more one plane that's broken up into it a got, number of different planes. Yeah, it had gotten broken. That was the first introduction to um, the color as a mechanic, where you would have yeah. allied colors and stuff like that. Um, and then eventually... they they had the mending that put all of that back together again and and whatnot, you know. Um, Yeah. As for me, my favorite characters, uh, you have Jace, number one, Kyle, Jace, Uh you know, and um, Nico Bolas. Jace was my first go-to because switching from from Yu-Gi-Oh to Magic the Gathering, I wanted... Uh, something that came close to the dark magician and Jace kind of had that aesthetic it was close enough the closest thing I could find uh, he's a mono blue um, telepathic magician you know uh, he deals with illusions and so on so nothing is ever as it seems with Jace but he learned a very hard lesson when he first encountered Nicol Bolas that as bad as he feels he is there's always somebody better. and Nicol Bolas is everything that jace is not he's a mastermind in terms of mind magic he deals with illusions as well but his illusions can actually hurt you he also and his attributes are reflected in his colors yeah so he has blue for intelligence and you know like manipulation and so on that ties in with black Mm -hmm. the black part of it shows his corrupting and his corrupting nature and the red part shows, you know, that dominating, you know, overwhelming um, force that he represents, and everything together just shows the type of person that he is. Well, you what know? it is as, as
3: I, was, I was actually talking to Dylan about this yesterday regarding <coughs> Castlevania Nocturne, uh-huh. where I feel the one thing that that is kind of missing from Castlevania mm-hmm. is I I like. Some kind of power structure, yeah, and it seems to me that Castlevania has no power structure. But Nickel Ballers, for instance, has magic in general has good power structure for characters. Like dragons are ancient, old beings and they're very powerful. Their effects are always powerful, they're very powerful, they are anti magic as well as. Like they have so much, they they have so much magic that they just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas a human like Jace is limited in, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of magic he could, he has, and it's, I mean, it's building. Or how much he can channel. Yeah, how much he can channel. It's building or whatever. He gets better with it, but bolas is probably thousands of years old compared to Jace, like a twenty-five yeah. year old or whatever. So yeah. the gap. Is You can tell the gap is there. Yeah. Whereas vampires in Castlevania are just arbitrarily powerful. <laughs> they can be young powerful. They can be old powerful. Mm-hmm. You just don't. They have all kinds of different powers
0: just out of nowhere. So you're just like, what's going on? Oh, and we definitely need to do a deep dive into Castlevania as well. Maybe we might do that next episode.
1: I think it's time for me to... I had started. start... Let me tell you this. When Castlevania had first started, I think I watched maybe the first three or four episodes. Loved it, but then I fell off for some reason. Not due to the show, just other aspects of life. And now I'm going to re rewatch the whole thing again. Because so much has been going on in the world of Castlevania. So much hype. Mm. I don't really care for hype. I just like things. I do watch things that people do not normally watch or hear about. But Castlevania has drawn me in I did. I always love those vampire tears The occult kind of thing So I'm going to check it out and see what this is And to
0: tie Castlevania to Magic the Gathering Again, we actually have a plane Dedicated to that sort of stuff It's called Innistrad, Innistrad the Where vampires. it's just vampires and werewolves yeah, <laughs> And
3: zombies and again, a very, a very old vampire Is yeah. the most powerful vampire Because he's very old He's the progenitor
0: Yeah <laughs> Um, what's his name again? Is Soren. Yeah, Soren Markov. Soren yeah. Markov. Yeah. He's a vampire? Yeah. Of course. You oh, don't okay. hear that name? Soren, Soren. Markov. I'm <laughs> excusing. I mean, one thing, magic has
3: different tribes of vampires that... Falcon their Rass. Origi- their originating thing is different. Their way of becoming and stuff is different. Yes. So some look very feral and batish and stuff like that. Mm, and,
0: and then some, some look very and the type of mechanics. Yeah, so the type of mechanics bats. available to them in yeah. game is reflective of their tribe yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because not all of them can fly. Yeah.
1: Not all um, of them summon bats. Not some all. of them have very I- high attacks and gaining life losing life sound and create that kind of blood token thing that blood the newer ones the newer ones
3: this is the second time that this alarm is going off behind yeah. me so I
0: think we probably should wrap up <laughs> oh
3: it's off uh, it's, it's off it. it's a
0: sign um, yeah so I mean all in all Magic the Gathering is is great I really enjoy it I I still try and follow up with the lore although I don't really find it a whole lot interesting right now especially the newer ones Um, I'm sure we have planes that we like very much what keeps happening is
3: they keep doing the Game of Thrones thing where they're trying to wrap up stories too fast and move on
0: to the next Mm. story
2: money 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 instead of letting
0: letting the stories actually breathe yeah I tend to like Ravnica which maybe um, some other time we can do a deep dive into the planes of Magic the Gathering maybe we can do a part 2 or something who knows but yeah um, anything you want to say Kyle?
1: Play Magic the Gathering is a fun game. If you want to just step away from Yu-Gi-Oh! for a bit, if you're deep into Yu-Gi-Oh! just try a little slowness, because what pulled me in the early days of playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Glenn can contest this way. We'd play one game, not a whole match, one game that would last near two hours long, as we are trying to get over each other's walls of defenses and so forth, which was fun. Nowadays, the game... 10 seconds, game done. Any which way. Um, So Magic Gathering helps us slow up and create a nice pacing. And it has a large variety of, as Remy puts it, for tribes that you can go and mix and match with the different color systems, depending on if they are in a certain color system. Whatever your personality is like. Yeah, whatever your personality traits are like. And you create your own world in a deck, especially in the old EDH or Commander. It is a fun aspect because... Usually in the rules of magic, you could usually have four copies of any card. But in EDH now, it makes things more complicated. Your deck maximum build, 100 cards, including your commander. So your commander is at the top. And you can only use one copy of any of the spell cards. Lands do not count unless they're... Basic lands do not count unless they're special lands. Um, other than that, one copy. So you have to now become more creative in, cre- uh, in what your endeavor is because guess what once you play that one card no, in magic they have many cards that do the same thing but different colors but that's not always the case for some things that you want to play so you'll have to be creative and figure out your strategy as well in building your decks mm-hmm. but magic the garden overall is a fun and just well-paced game what about you remy any last words Watch Castlevania nocturne. then. Oh, no, you're throwing throwing what you want to watch now. Back to,
3: yeah, back to magic. Like, there's lots of ways to express yourself. There's lots of um, creativity that can go into it. And it's, I mean, you can always get in touch with any of us if you'd like to, if you have interest in playing, because we are willing and able to facilitate, like, getting into the game um, usually when you buy packs and stuff you get you get so many cards there's just a card lying around the place there's just yeah. so much chaff you can find cards you can always find something to build just to try without having to spend too much money and it's, it's yeah. a really fun game
0: so yeah the the community is there the WeDo community is there um, we have like the whatsapp groups and so on And we've been friends for a very long time. We know a lot of people. We have cards. We have resources. And yeah. So in light of the contacting part, for now, we have the email set up. So you can always send us an email. Send us your thoughts. uh, If you have any suggestions, questions, verses, um, topics that you'd like us to touch on. Or if you just want to give your general feedback on the episodes that you've been listening to. Uh, what it is that you enjoy or if you just want to give us a critique let us know things that we can work on we are very much open to hearing from you so you can shoot us an email at beachsidenerds at gmail.com it's all one word beachsidenerds at gmail.com and we look forward
1: to hearing from you so with that hold on he already said Castlevania his recommendation for the week What's your uh-huh. recommendation?
0: My recommendation, oof, uh, wow, Hijack. Did I, did I say that before? Hijack?
1: Yeah, Hijack.
0: Oh, no, um, Idris, Idris Elba. Elba. It's a miniseries. I think it's like seven episodes. It's, it's really great. It has to do with the hijacking of a plane. It's a very simple concept, okay. but the execution of the story is really good. Never heard
1: of it? Never heard of it? Really good. You should watch it. Into that. That's my recommendation. Well, my recommendation is a throwback to something that Remy showed me. I said, "Oh
2: yeah, I
1: haven't um, watched this in many years." And I said, "Let me introduce it to my girlfriend." And the name of the show is Scrubs. Oh, yes, it I know Superman. I know Superman. <laughs> it's a show <laughs> about the life <laughs> of these doctors um, that just started their whole. Um, what is it called when they start their? Um, their, intern- their no, they're interns. interns. Yeah, they're interns. Uh, so their hospital life for what, four years or so? Um, yeah. yeah. Their residency. Yes, yeah. their residency as as doctors before they go on to be full-fledged Great doctors. comedy. It is a great comedy but with a mixture of um, slice-of-life yes, information and it. real life. It's like mm-hmm. mixing the whole aspects of tragedy where you have comedy. Comedy, again, is a bit of tragedy, of course. They work hand-in-hand. Hand. And you get life lessons as a doctor and the life lessons of the life of people at the hospital. And again, mixed with comedy at the same time. Both of them work beautifully together for that series. Because it's not always 100% serious, but it's not always 100% comedy. But it, the mix and match just gives it a perfect balance in each and every episode. Of all. Stop overselling the show. Is it a it's a show? slice of life comedy that's very witty it's, it's sharp very witty and sharp and again you'll love it it's not just like you guys walk into like Grey's anatomy and so Grey's anatomy is a great show yes top toe shame but is hmm? top toe shape? no no Grey's anatomy <laughs> is a great show i love watching it over the years and so but it's not on that it's more comedy by far than anything in there it's almost like mixing bones in a way but you don't understand
0: we're wrapping up the show right yes (laughs) i'm just
1: i'm just out i'm just trying out that one i'm just trying out that one
0: (laughs) yeah so guys see you all in the next week peace out have a great day